Join the Dark Order. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Episode 37 of Social Suplexes Podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. I'm your host, Floyd Johnson. And back after a long break, it's the most positive woman on earth, Amy, otherwise known as Phoenix NJPW. How are you doing, Amy? This is probably the longest we went without talking since we've known each other. I think so. I'm doing really well, but I am so excited to be back talking with you because it's been such a busy week with AEW, with the show, with Dark, and with the news coming out, and I'm just thrilled to be here chatting with you, man. I've missed you. <laughs> I've missed you, too. When I went to like message you and I realized I hadn't messaged you in like t- like two weeks, like two full weeks i was like that is so weird because i generally will just message you aew crap during the week that i noticed but i was like oh wow i must be and you know i'm one of those people that usually call bs on people for saying this but i've been (laughs) really busy (laughs) you just went to to uh you were at aew's show right with tiffany so you were there and then um gosh i forget which city it was in there's so many things Baltimore. Yes. Oh my gosh, in full gear. That's yes. right. <laughs> yeah, so we got we got all this stuff done and we were there and I plan to record there, but uh honestly, I haven't got recording next to each other and you know, getting good sound quality cuz I could yeah. just, you know, record from the microphone on the computer, but most people, I mean, unless you speak like I do, most people can't hear you when you do it that way. So I tried to set up a dual mic setup. It's not working. I'm going to work with my boy Rich Latta, you know, and see how I can get a setup for when we are in the same city. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I'm sure that you guys had an amazing time. The pictures looked fantastic. It looks like you guys really just enjoyed yourselves to the fullest. And that's so awesome. I'm so glad you guys got to go. And what a show to get to see. That was a fantastic AEW pay-per-view. Oh, my gosh. 
Yes, uh, it was a great show, great weekend. I hung up with Tiffany and Alex pretty much all weekend, and it was the best time ever. I always like to throw a shout-out to my lovely wife, Crystal. Even though she never listens to this, I still thank her because she <laughs> allows me to go on these random trips, and she I literally have never heard her complain. Like, she might complain to her friends or behind my back. She had never once complained to me about me going on these trips. Well, see, marriage and relationships is all about supporting the other person and the things that they love. So that's wonderful. Thank yeah. you, Crystal. Yes. That's like <laughs> I said, she'll never hear the thank you because the only time she hears the show is when I'm recording with her right there. Because, you know, I mean, she doesn't hate wrestling. She really doesn't. She just, again, you know, when you meet someone, you tell them. Like, for me, it's like, that's my baggage. You know, when people are like, oh, I got kids, I, I've been married, blah, blah. My baggage is <laughs> I am a super obsessed wrestling fan. And they <laughs> never, like, I use super obsessed. I use the strongest language I can. And they never understand the scope. You're like, okay, so before this goes any further, there's something I need you to know. Yes. I really, really really love wrestling like yeah. yes fake fighting and tights wrestling it's yeah. the best i love it and if you ever want to talk about it i will talk your ear off for hours but i just need you to know this is my pride my joy and my obsession yes and <laughs> when i'm setting it up it sounds like i'm about to say i really like to be choked or something weird <laughs> or something you know do you uh, do you it sounds like it but i'm like well, you know the show that most people stop watching when they're like 18 and go to college? <laughs> I never did. I'm I'm obsessed with it. So. And then they're just like, oh, thank God. <laughs> they're like, oh, thank God. That's not a big deal. And then then they start living the life. Oh, hey, you want to go out to dinner with this person? No, I got to record a podcast about, you know, the fake stuff I was telling you about that I'm obsessed <laughs> with? Got to record a podcast so I can't really do anything tonight. <laughs> oh, so, so, so hey, what you doing this day? Well, I got to watch the show. Now I'm about to go on vacation. And, and I, I remember every time, every woman I've ever dated always has that moment. I didn't know it was this bad moment. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Crystal, though, because she married you anyway. Yeah, she so. <laughs> married me anyway. I was like, yeah, yeah, we always have the I didn't know it was this bad moment. And it's 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 like... I, I like I said I understand, this, but when they think about it, and like so, you you know the worst thing you like to do is go watch wrestling, and I'm like yeah, yeah. That, that's it. I like to watch a lot of it, <laughs> right? But it's like and it's it's not a bad thing. It's just that where it becomes the reality is like the amount of time that's invested. You're like no, I'm literally like going to prioritize watching this show over literally everything else. You want me to go out to dinner with your mom on Wednesday night? No, no, that's not going to happen. It's, I'm sorry. It's not, <laughs> it's not, it's like, like next week okay, I, I'm, I'm working a long stretch of work cause my friend's on vacation and next week it was like, um, do you want to, it, I got off Wednesday. So that should tell you how important wrestling was. I got the mm -hmm. option of Wednesday or Thursday, which is Thanksgiving. I said I want to be off Wednesday so I can <laughs> actually sit at home and watch Dynamite uninterrupted. So, yeah. so I'm like, because I never do. I'm working Wednesday, so I'm usually watching Dynamite while trying to work. Well, we got through there, and I'm like, 
I want Wednesday. And so uh, my wife's like, oh, you're off Wednesday. And she knows it's the only day off I'm going to have until like the middle of December or something like that. And she was like, do you want to go to my sister's house in Maud, Oklahoma? <laughs> I, you probably never heard of that city and eat. And no. I'm, like, I'm like, okay, I can, but I need you to break down the timing of everything. Because I need to be in this house by 6.30, not 7.00. Uh-uh, I'm not playing that game. I'm not playing the walk in the 658. I need to be back in this house by 6.30 so I can get ready for Dynamite. <laughs> she, you know what? Before I could even get the explanation all the way out, you'll be back in time for wrestling. Oh, that's she had, so sweet. She already, she already <laughs> thought of it. She's like, you will be back in time for wrestling. <laughs> That is that is a very 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 supportive wife, and yes. that is awesome. also. Yes. I mean, your coworkers like holidays are really competitive to get off. So yes. if you're willfully like, oh no, man, I don't need to take Thursday off. I'll just take Wednesday off. Not only is everybody else around you like, oh cool, that's awesome, but then you also get in for holiday pay too. So yeah. like. Maybe Christmas Day will fall on. Oh, wait, no, it doesn't matter because they're not recording. But if they were, then every holiday you could just be like, if it's on any day but Wednesday, I'll work. They are taking that week off, aren't they? They are, yes. I'm not going to know what to do with myself Wednesday night. I really am not. I know, especially because like Christmas Day we're near in your pajamas and you're just kind of hanging out, waiting to order Chinese food. And you're just like, what am I going to do? Watching wrestling would be perfect. Yeah, so y'all order Chinese food? We do. Yep. We've oh. been doing it. Well, my husband's been doing it for like his whole life. Yes. <laughs> to oh. get Chinese food for like decades. So that's something that we do now every year. All right. Well, that's interesting. We we, <laughs> we cook a lot of food. Yeah, a lot of people do that. <laughs> yes. And we start eating at like 9 a.m. after the presents are open. And it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it started because like the Chinese food places were the only places that were open. On Christmas Day. Uh, I mean, Christmas story. Yeah. 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 So that's how that started. And then it just kind of became a tradition, which, you know, we cook for Christmas Eve and then Thanksgiving, of course. And then we have Christmas Day. We just get Chinese food. (laughs) That is interesting. Like I said, I've never done that, but I could see it being, I know uh, an ex-girlfriend, their family made Mexican food on Christmas Day. That was their tradition. Yeah, they made it all, like, from scratch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. tamales are a good tradition, too. Well, I want to start the show by reminding you this episode of All Things Elite is brought to you by Power Slam TV. Power Slam TV, where you get access to over 4,000 hours of content from over 110 of your favorite wrestling brands from countries around the globe, right onto your laptop and mobile device. If you use the code Social Suplex, you get the first month free. Just to let you know, uh, this has been a big week. Me, me and Amy, I was like, you know what? Wrestling, AEW does this great thing. They does this intelligent thing. They seem to stay relevant every day. You know, when the show's not going on, you're getting news from the show. You're getting information. So I said, Amy, let's tackle this world of the elite a little differently. So what I did is we did our little rundown, and we're just going to go day by day. Uh, starting with Monday, we're going to go day by day until today about all the information that goes through the elite. And, uh, this week, uh, generally, you know, Amy runs the show, but, but this week we're starting off a recap of BTE, uh, BTE, which is my thing. I watched, uh, being the elite. Did you watch it, Amy? 
I know you did because you commented on it. I saw your comment on it. Absolutely did. I watch it every single week. <laughs> like yes. I, I live for Mondays because being the elite is sort of like it gets you after the weekend where you're finally ready to get into the week of dynamite. And like being the elite is the kickoff to all of that. All right. Well, I mean, I'm not going to go scene for scene. I'm just going to talk about the two big pieces of news from being the elite this week. One hangman and something that you never see in wrestling respectfully leaves the elite. He did not turn heel. He didn't like jump the group. He just says, Hey, I don't like being, the least successful person in a group. So I'm going to leave. Even though technically, I mean, this is coming from me. You could say Cody is the least successful of the group because everybody else in the group could a one day challenge for the world title, but Cody can't. This is true. This is true. <laughs> He's like, he can't. So it's like one of those things I was thinking about, but yeah, he uh, respectfully left the group and it was, you know, of course, the it was the Bucks, and they were looking sad, and like you're just gonna leave that kind of thing. And it was very emotional. The music playing in the background, they they caught the right tone. It was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. You know, it was like it was like our horse died. You know what I mean? Like? <laughs> Not the birthday horse, though. <laughs> Yes, it, was like, it was like our horse died no but like hangman page has been on the losing streak and you know he storyline wise has a lot to be upset about i mean at the very beginning of this year the very first angle that he was involved in was one where he wasn't slim enough to hang with pop with pack so like that's where things kicked off and then he's on this losing streak and you know he mentioned even before it's never been that way like he wasn't necessarily the star of the Bullet Club either. That was Kenny Omega wrapped up with Cody Rhodes and their Civil War and the Young Bucks and Marty. And Hangman was kind of left behind on those things. So it really there's a there's a lot of backstory for those who have been following the elite for a long time to really like enrich in this storyline. But even without that, it's still an incredibly sad thing to see him just go off on his own and not even be really mad about it. He didn't turn heel. He was just like, I, I got to be on my own for a while. So you really get the feeling that the elite is just deflated right now. Yeah, it is It is actually sad if you actually uh, root for the elite. Cause, but you to think about it, you know, I always describe them as the boy band, you know. Cody has his following. He was the ROH champion. Kenny IWGP champion definitely has his following. Uh, has you know his following. The Bucks probably have one of the bigger followings of, if not the biggest following of the group. You know, Villain Club. You know, Villain being a villain. Everything's about being a villain now. Villain Enterprises. Marty has this. If you look at it and you're just being you know completely unbiased. He probably has the smallest following of the group. Yeah, all he's got is a dead horse. Yes, and it's like, and you know, and then they built him up to for that match with Jericho, and what happened? He he lost. And then, yeah, and then he's lost a feud with Pac. He's kind of directionless right now, and it was just like I could understand that. I can understand that nobody wants to be the weak link of any group. 
you know? You know, the craziest thing, though, is that for somebody who's been watching Paige for a while, um, at the end of last year, uh, during the G1 in New Japan, so not this year where Moxley was in, but last year, that was when he really started to break out, at least for me personally, and I think for quite a few others, where you looked at him and you were like, oh my gosh, I see a star in this guy's future. Like, he is bringing it. He's looking great. And in AEW, yeah, he's been losing, but like, oh my God, his music is a banger. He's got the cowboy shit chance. He's got that spark. And whatever they end up doing with this storyline, I really hope that it ends up with a really great trajectory for Paige because I think it could. And I think he could, he has the seed and the spark to be a star in this company. Yeah, and you know what? If you think about everyone else and what they gave up, the Bucks were going to be successful no matter where they go. Kenny was going to get successful no matter where he went. You know, everyone else. Hangman, I'm pretty sure if he would have stayed, he'd be the ROH world champion. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And if he stayed, he would have a significant part in IWGP. And he, or New Japan, he gave up pretty much the stance that, he, you know, the solid positioning he had in both of those companies to come over to AEW. And, and like and like I said, I'm kind of looking, this is kind of like kayfabe look at it. You know, yeah. he, he gave up all of that because, you know, Cody and all of them said, hey, we're pushing you. you you're our guy. You're our Magnum TA. You are John Cena. You're going to be our guy. And then they put him in the big position and he comes up short. Then he has his first major feud, and he comes up short. I, you know what? That could make me reevaluate my position in life. That Absolutely, make- and also mm-hmm. it, where your loyalties are. If you've been putting everything into this group of people that made all of these promises, and they're not able to deliver, and you're not able to deliver, and nothing's happening for you, striking it out on your own, I mean... That that seems like a reasonable way to go about it, as crushing as it is to see. Yeah. Um, you know, like, see what he can make for himself by himself. Yeah, and his first week by himself has turned out pretty good. We'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, but, yeah, and then the other part is also has to do with Paige. He's going into his house, and he's turning the pictures around, and we see a picture of who, Chris, uh, who, Amy? Marty Skrull, front and center on the camera. You've got Marty, the Young Bucks. I think Kenny was in there, too. You've got Paige. You've got Cody. But the camera is centered on Marty. Yes. And, you know, I I asked this question to somebody. I asked Tiffany, and it was funny. And I was like, you know the song we need, you know, Hero? You know, we need a hero, you know? I was like, yes. has anyone ever did a We Need a Villain? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I have I have had Bonnie Tyler's Holding Out for a Hero stuck in my head for ever since Monday's Being the Elite. I have played it for my kids. My daughter loves it now. And I keep replacing the word hero with villain. And, like, it is the perfect 80s montage song. And, like, if you play this and hope for a villain... As you're holding out for a villain who's fresh from the fight, he's got to be strong, he's got to be fast, and he's got to be larger than life. It's got to be soon. Like, dude, the lyrics are made for this. Absolutely made for this. 
this is my song for Marty. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, I was, I was like, you know, and it was funny because I was going through the words, you know, he's larger than life. And, you know, the villain says he's a super heavyweight. I was like, it, it fits. It fits. It fits. I was like, someone has to do this song for Marty. And not only do the song, that needs to be the song that plays when he comes in. It should start with whoop whoop, of course. Because in my life, I've never heard, wanted to hear the two words whoop whoop more than <gasps> I oh my god me too <laughs> you know like, what i want to see is on being the elite i want to see because they often film in a gym you know um and i want to see somebody just lifting weights to that song like you don't even see who it is you just you get pieces of the montage i want to see it because to me like i'm gonna start screaming <laughs> I need this so badly. I need the villain like I've never needed anything. And it feels so good to need that, you know, to like want it so desperately because all of the elite are down. They're all crestfallen. Kenny is like, he's got a shattered psyche situation happening. Matt is injured. The young bucks lost (laughs) the very first night of their tag team championship tournament. Cody can't even challenge for the title. He's been betrayed by what he thought was his best friend. And Hangman Page has left the group. This is their VH1 behind the music moment. And they need somebody to be the glue that brings them all back together. And that can only be the villain. That can only be a villain. You know, they got to find what what they've been getting. They've been getting, you know, out-cheated. They've been getting outmaneuvered. You know what? You know what's going to help you? With the maneuvers, who's going to help you play a little dirty? Your villain. I, I, I mean, I'm so excited. I'm actually, I don't pay attention to ROH, but I am actually looking forward to how they wire him off the show. Like, who's going to be the new leader of Villain Enterprises? Oh, that's a that's an interesting question. Well, and I read somewhere on Twitter too, so I, I haven't fact checked this or anything. So, but that uh, apparently Marty Skrull owns the name and trademark for Villain Club. So he can take that with him anywhere, and yeah. it's gonna oh, yeah. be it's gonna be really interesting to see um, who comes with him, if anyone, and also whether he comes in as you know the hero who's going to save the elite, or if he's going to be pissed off that all of his friends left him to go build this company without him, and come in kind of angry and with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, one of my storylines was if they didn't go with MJF screwing over Cody, they could have went with, you know, Marty Skrull screwing over Cody because, you know, all my they left me. And he was the one that was insistent on Marty being dead. Yes. Everyone else was like, he's not dead. He's just with another <laughs> company. But he knew. No, he's, like, no, he's dead. <laughs> no, he's dead. God yeah, rest you- his soul. <laughs> God, Cody's so good at that. You know, I legitimately thought when um, Wardlow came out, I thought that that was Marty's girl because he was dressed dapper and he had his hair in the same style that Marty does. But obviously he's way bigger than Marty's girl. But I just oh thought like, maybe yeah. Marty got real jacked. But I was like, oh, my God. And then I was like, oh, wait, that's Wardlow, whoever the hell Wardlow is. OK, that's him. But like I totally thought it was Marty's girl and I was super excited. Marty's just on all of our minds right now, I think. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. It was just like, it, it, you know, 
I'm very excited about ADLB. Love it, but it doesn't feel right without him. Like, I know other people have been like, well, maybe he's going to sign with the WWE. Maybe he's doing this. There has never been a question in my mind. Now, like, I could have been 100% wrong, but I was 100% sure that he was signing with AEW. At no point has that, you know, any other option even crossed my mind. You know, it was like, no, he's not. There's like, maybe he goes to WWE. I was like, first of all, he wants to be looked at as a heavyweight. Second of all, they're never going to look at him as a heavyweight. <laughs> like, he's smaller than some of their smallest people. So I was like, that's just not going to happen. I'm like, he gets the respect he wants in AEW. I, I was like, he would, I would rather, he would probably go to stay with ROH in New Japan before he goes back to WWE. Just because respect you know yeah yeah for sure being your physical size limits where you go in the wwe for the most part i know there's been the daniel bryan run and everything and all that but for the most part it limits where you go in the WWE. God, can you imagine the pop in the crowd when the lights go out and you hear <laughs> oh my gosh and what's his music going to be it's probably he, gonna, he owns his music. Well, he's oh, owned his thanks. music for a long time. God. So yeah. So because you need that, like just the twinkle yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. Oh God, I've chills, man. It yeah. needs to happen. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 that's one thing I've owned. I've always known. It's like Marty is pretty savvy when it comes to owning what he presents. That's good. Yeah. That's so good. so I think the music will be fairly the same. Of course, AEW is gonna do their little thing to it but it's gonna start with the whoop whoop you know and it's gonna get everybody all buzzed up and he's gonna come out full villain gear with the bird and everything oh my gosh it's gonna be amazing it it is going to be amazing well uh well that was the part of my news from monday i think you should i'm gonna hand it over you to talk about our ceo all right our ceo with balls of steel okay So on Monday, CM Punk, he puts out a tweet that says, it is weird trying to catch up on five plus years of wrestling. I'm doing what I can. There's bright spots, mostly women from what I can tell. There's bad too. I'm going to talk about it and no one is safe. Join us. He tags Renee Young, WWE on Fox, Booker T, Paige, Vince McMahon, and inexplicably, Tony Khan. Now, CM Punk works for Fox. He works at WWE Backstage, where he talks about WWE. (laughs) And so it was interesting to see this guy tag Tony Khan, especially after everything went down with all of these sort of like misinformation and rumors and kind of pot stirring on Twitter um, and in the dirt sheets about whether or not he would go to AEW. And of course, everyone knew that Tony Khan was interested in CM Punk and wanted him there. And they had extended offers professionally um but there's just been a lot of mixed stuff in the news so tony khan responds to this tweet and says no one is safe sounds like a plane full of wrestlers in saudi arabia now this was already (laughs) kind of interesting to see because you're just like oh no you didn't go there oh my gosh well randy orton responds and said What's that whole thing about glass houses and stones and links an article about his father, Shad Shai Khan, 
being investigated for corruption, apparently having to do with Saudi Arabia. So Tony Khan responds to that tweet with, I thought you only tagged me in your posts when you were grasping for leverage. That article's over a year plus old and is about baseless claims made about my dad years ago. That's the best you can do. Nothing. Meanwhile, in the time since that was written, you've used the N-word on Twitch. So, <laughs> that was how this all went down on Monday. Yes, you don't come at... You don't come at the CEO unless you come strong, you know, and I, I, I love Randy. I love Randy. This is not disparaging any anything as far as his career. I'm one of the few people that just thinks Randy Orton's amazing. But come on, you got to come stronger than that. Tony Khan is on the Internet and on social media all day. He knows what's up. He knows what's hot. He knows everything. Like I said, he met Tiffany and called her Tiffany from Twitter. He, he, he's on top of things. So don't come unless your 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 house is clean. You know, don't come unless you, uh, don't come don't come at him unless because he's gonna have the fire. He's gonna have it. And I was just like, oh, he brought up the n word. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. Oh my. Well, and that's the other thing too is that you know these are people who used AEW as leverage. And that's fair. That's absolutely fair. That's one of the things, if we're looking realistically about why competition is a good thing, it's that it's elevating everyone. It's elevating everyone's contracts, their pay scales, their vacation time. Everything is better because they have a legitimate competition. But if you're going to be publicly messing with AEW or anybody really, and publicly tagging them in posts and publicly teasing that you're going somewhere. Especially, you know, both CM Punk and Randy Orton are people that were coveted by AEW. Randy Orton is a great friend of Cody's. And CM Punk was one of the first people Tony Khan wanted. So, of course, they're going to go after them. And it's fair and fine for you to use that as leverage to get a better deal with where you're going to stay. If it's with WWE, that's fine. But then tagging Tony Khan and trash talking him after the fact, especially if you don't have a clean house yourself, it's kind of <laughs> not the Cause, smartest move. Because he, shockingly, had largely got the pass on the N-word. Uh, most people had just said he was drunk. You know, he just he wasn't really calling anyone it. He just kind of said it. And, you know, I'm not saying these are all acceptable reasons, but I'm just saying... If you look at Twitter, even when it came out, it didn't blow up. It didn't blow up Twitter or anything like that. He largely got a pass. So Mm -hmm. it was just like, okay, so you should probably go away for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Take your pass and go. And then it was like, Tony replied. Yeah, Tony replied. And and everybody's like, Randy Orton said, what? Won't you share that video? I need to know what happened. Right. Well, it became a deal. Brandy Rhodes comes in and she says, that's the end of the fight, TKO, with a gif of a knockout. And then Charlotte Flair responds with an eye roll and says, please. Brandy busts out the clown face. And then somebody's like, dude, Cody, why didn't you tell us Brandy was goddamn lethal weapon? She's out here decimating fools. And then he, Mike, drops the end of the conversation with, it's not difficult with this subject matter. Racism is trash. We are divided enough. 
wrestling should bring folks together. That's the end of the conversation because there's not really anything you can respond to with that if you're going to keep it going without looking like a total ass. It, absolutely. And it's just, I, I do want to me. I've always said this, and you can make a racist comment and not be racist. Racism is a mindset. Racism is a mindset. Racism is actions. So you can make a racist comment and not be racist, but you have to acknowledge that the comment was racist and that you won't say it again you know what i mean kind of thing right so. that's like the learning from it <laughs> yes. that's where the whole like if you make a comment that's racist but you're not racist yeah. and then you're like oh shit my bad i didn't know i'm yeah. sorry like i did i i didn't mean to i didn't mean it like that i apologize i can understand how this you know would affect people and then you learn from it and you move on or you double down and you don't apologize and you say it's all trash and you know you Pull yeah. a cornet, and yeah. then that's that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, so the thing with Randy is this. I, I can honestly see him getting a lot of the pass because, and disagree with me, hate me, whatever. He, he kind of used the acceptable form of the word. It shouldn't come from a white mouth, but he still used the acceptable form of the word. He wasn't really calling anybody, you know, that. It was just like. Dude, I don't care how drunk you are, that should never come out of your mouth. And that's the end of the conversation. Jim Cornette, mm. he he is like, Well, I didn't mean it that way. I don't you know, I didn't mean it that way, so I didn't do anything wrong. And I, I actually listened to the first thirty minutes of the Cornette show today just to mm -hmm. try to get my eyes wrapped around it. And you know what? As a person that grew up in the eighties, I know what he's talking about. Ethiopia, you know, Live Aid, I guess, was about oh, yeah. Yeah, about Ethiopia. Starving Ethiopian jokes were a thing. My favorite, it brought up something that I forgot. My favorite movie of all time, When Harry Met Sally. I know everybody laughed. When Harry Met Sally, they're actually at a table. Harry's talking to Sally, and he says, I'm going out with this girl, and she says, I want to try Ethiopian food. He's like, so what is Ethiopian food? Are we going to go there? They're going to hand us two empty plates, and then we're going to leave? That was the joke. Okay. Well, so there's the, there's the joke of that because you also had Sally Struthers around with the sort of, um, yes. I forget what the company was, but it was like for pennies a day, you can feed, you know, starving people in different countries. And so, yes, I, I remember that. That was very much a staple yes. of our childhood. But I also remember a lot of people making those jokes yes. as racists because racism in that time, we still had – black pop artist categories at the Grammys was still very acceptable. So there were still a lot of people who did make those jokes also racially tied that weren't just, you know, sort of a play on the pop culture kind of element of the modern news cycle at the time. And then if you add the fried chicken element to it, no, you, yeah. you can't escape yeah. that. This is what I'm What I was saying is that movie was filmed in 1989, right? 1989. Do you know people that were born in 1989 can legally like drink, vote, all those things now? There's that's it. I think they turned 30. The people born in 1989. Yeah. So yeah. you cannot say this was okay 30 years ago, so it should be okay now. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> that's just stupid. In every, I mean, I, I mean, me, there was stuff we said, like, I will always say this, and I have no problem admitting it because I know it's wrong, and I accept that it's wrong. 
But when I was growing up, between like 95 and 2010, everything that was weird and that you didn't like was gay. It's like, oh, I didn't get enough. They only filled my high fries halfway up. Gay. I got a flat tire. Gay. You know, everything was that. I know that it is inherently wrong and should not be used like that anymore. But that doesn't stop that that happened during that period of time. But I know now not to do it. As he should know now, that wasn't something he should have said. Exactly. Like, it might have been perfectly acceptable when you were young, but you can't say that anymore. <laughs> because you learn and grow as people, and then you learn and you're exposed to a lot of other people from different communities, and you learn more about the humanity of people, and so then you stop demoralizing <laughs> against the humanity of people. <laughs> yes. At the time when I was saying that, I didn't know any openly gay people. I didn't know any openly gay people. Now, were there gay people? Probably. But I didn't know they were gay. Well, then I got into the real world and I got a job. And I said that. And I became friends. Uh, I became friends with someone that happened to be gay. And they explained to me how that was disparaging. They explained to me how, how I shouldn't use that anymore. And I completely understood that. And it's just like with Jim Cornette, like, like I'm listening to him and I'm like, okay, I get that you didn't mean it racist, but once someone told you that it can be taken racist, you didn't walk it back. Right. Instead, you doubled down and said, by the way, all those bitches on Instagram who are posing as me and apologizing me aren't me. I would never apologize for this. Yes. And he made some good points about Twitter. And he, he, like I said, he made some solid points there, but it was just like, I, no one's going to hear anything logical you say because you still haven't apologized yet or acknowledge the (laughs) impact and i think that's the thing is that the impact of the words that he says about you know with his comment on nwa power and with his comments towards lgbt community and with his comments towards joey ryan or his comments about kenny omega or riho or just everything he's very mean he's a very mean personality and there has to be some accountability when you're representing a company yes as a very mean personality that that sometimes is is going to clash and people are not unjustified in being offended rightfully so when those things clash and i wonder when people are going to call out the nwa because he did not get fired he quit they were going to keep him. Based on what he said, they were going to keep him. They just wanted him to publicly apologize. He said, I'm not doing it. I quit. This isn't fun anymore. He literally walked away. They didn't fire him. Well, and as far as I understand, I, and, and I haven't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, acknowledging that I haven't listened to his podcast. I read the notes about his podcast. So I'm going to say that going into this that I haven't actually listened to it because I I can't (laughs) listen to Jim Cornette talk. It's just, ah, anyway, um, apparently the reaction from NWA about the backlash was that it was just a bunch of AEW fanboys getting riled up on Twitter. 
That was not the reaction from MWA. That was the reaction from Jim Cornette. Oh, okay. So that's, that, there we go. That was I'm his reaction. We were able to clear that up. Thank <laughs> no, you. That was his reaction, not the Okay. Uh, NWA is like, it's offensive. You offended yeah. people. Apologize. It's okay. Too, this should be simple. NWA is like, yes. okay, you said something wrong. Apologize. No, I didn't catch it. That's on me, too. I've already apologized for not catching it. Now, I need you to apologize for doing it. And rather than apologize, he's he quit and he said, I was doing it as a favor to them. It's not going to, like, he was doing it to support the NBA. In, in, in NWA, it's not going to, you know, change his lifestyle at all. He was just trying to help, which so. I, I truly <laughs> believe. If I can't say dumb shit on commentary without getting in trouble for it, then I don't even want to be here. I'm out. He's out. He felt like, from what I could tell, he felt like they just didn't have his back. It was like, you know me. You know I'm not racist. You know I was thinking, I was making the joke about famine and starvation, not about racism. But all your posts and everything you put pretty much threw me under the bus. From, I mean, eh. it's hard not to because fried and I, I get I'm going to just say this. I get that this is an interesting conversation for us to have. You're a black man. I'm a white woman. So like it's when I hear fried chicken and drive across Ethiopia, that's a racial connotation. The joke doesn't work if you put pizza on there, if you put sushi on there. It's fried chicken for a reason. You know, and yes, there's the the thing that he said in the 80s where, you know, you had like starving news cycle and that's a joke. But that's also not funny. But when you add the fried chicken element to it, that's where it's racist. And then you have, you know, the videos that were coming out and circling around on Twitter of him saying the N word in talking about people. And it's like you can't really say that you're not racist if you use racist terms in conversation you know what i mean yeah and, and like i said i uh my biggest thing was, was i was offended when i i listened to it i i don't think i've made that clear i was very offended of what and i was like even like i i have very thick skin you know the conversations i have i yeah. don't care i do literally have very thick skin but i said what he said was so aggressively racist that it could not be ignored it's like it was, I even said, it's aggressively racist, you know, and, yes. just, and the casualness and what he said it is like, you say this, you would say this in mixed conversation. You would say this around me and expect me not to get offended because you don't say things as casually as he did without me thinking that way. So I don't yes. know. We weren't supposed to talk about Cornette. It wasn't <laughs> on our rundown. No, no, it's cool. It wasn't on our rundown. It, it wasn't on our rundown. I'm like. We we bring up Randy saying the N word, and yeah. honestly, Cornette's been the hot topic this week. It's just one of those things. I grew up a Jim Cornette fan. It does not change the time and how much I enjoyed Jim Cornette as uh, as a as a personality in wrestling. It doesn't. I still have fondness for Jim Cornette and Midnight Express. Now, if Jim Cornette's had a meet and greet that I'm mad or something like that, I probably am not going to go up to him because. Uh, my friend brought up to me, and he, he he says, you forgave Hulk Hogan, you forgave Randy Orton. And this is where you'll find that I am different than a lot of people. I respect your right to be racist. 
I do. If you want to be racist, do it. That's your, that's how you think. I don't agree with it, but you have the right. So if you're in your personal home and you're throwing out the N-word there and you're illegally recorded, to me, I'm going to let that pass. You know why? Because you are respectful to my face. And that's, you know, in out in public, you know how to act. What you do in your own home should be your own business. Right? Felt the same way about Randy Orton. Jim Cornette was on the flagship show of a national wrestling product that had been recorded six weeks ago. People heard it and never thought of it as racist and removed it. I have a fundamental problem with that. I like I said, I know not everyone's going to agree with any of the comments I made. These are the comments of Floyd, and this is how Floyd feels about it. But the reason Jim Cornette's was different, the, they was on the flagship program of a nationally televised by YouTube. You can watch it anywhere in the world. It had been in the can for six weeks. They had edited the show, and no one thought it was racist. I Like I said, I have a problem with that. Agreed. And I, I, I will say that <laughs> listening to your thoughts on it, I appreciate the fact that there's not hard battle lines all the time, that there's context and there's sort of looking at the intention of people. And I think intention of people matters. And I, and I think that that's a really good way of looking at it, Floyd. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I know not everyone, everybody's like, you say the N-word, you're canceled. And to those people, they have the right to feel that way. I am not that one of those people. I am one of those people who honestly think everyone should use the N-word. So it becomes like that. And what? It becomes nothing. Because, like, remember, like, when you were in the 80s, I could call someone a punk. And that would be a reason to fight. Now you say punk. Are you saying punk rock, punk this, punk that? It has <laughs> yeah. had people overuse the word so much that it has lost all of its initial meaning. So I feel like if you do that with these bad words, like you're taught as a Harry Potter fan, you're taught in Voldemort, not saying a word gives it power. But if everyone says the word, it has no power. I will truly believe that. I think everybody that should is a say. Very, I will never say it, but that is a very, <laughs> very interesting and insightful way of looking at it. And I, I disagree because I am of the of the set where I'm like, okay, you say that, dude. Like, we're done. Like, I'm out. Yeah, you know, but, but people say I, it to me to get me to react. If you're going to call me that, the only person, only reason you're calling me that. Is so I will act like what you think a person being called that name should act. And I'm not going to give that you the power. Nice. I'm just going to keep rolling. Have fun. If that's if that's the most intelligent thing you can come up with without, without me, you're not worth my time arguing with you or even being mad at you. Because I have a lot of faults. I do. And if you can go find one of them, cool. Great. Those are personal. You at least did some homework. But the other thing is just it's just stupid. It's immature. It's elementary. I'm going to ignore it and keep moving. You're not worth my time. Fair game, man. That's an excellent way of looking at it, dude. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like I said, 
I am different. I am not, I'm not going, not everyone's going to believe the way I believe. I know that. I respect your way of belief. If I'm wound the dude and somebody says it and the, you know, someone says it and the guy, you know, punches him in the face, I'm like, huh? You, you know? <laughs> it is, yeah, it is what it is. I like, like, it is what it is. But me, I'm just going to be like, you know what? Whatever. You're, you're not going to control me with your words. That's a beautiful way of putting it, dude. So. Much respect for that. Um, let's, I feel like we should move on. Yes, yeah, so we can to, go to Tuesday, right? Yes, to AEW Dark. Um, but I really appreciate your thoughts on that because I think that that gives everyone a little bit of food for thought on the topic. Um, and I think that that can be really necessary in, t- in times where we're quick to react. And I think reacting with thought is a very good way of, of reacting. So I, I really appreciate your insight there. That gives me food for thought on the topic. <laughs> um, so let's move on to AEW Dark, which happened on Tuesday. So we kick things off. We have Best Friends with Orange Cassidy versus Private Party. Now, for me, the story of this match was the strife between Best Friends and Orange Cassidy. From the intro, Best Friends come out, their music hits, they do a hug. Orange Cassidy's a little late. They actually don't do their hug until Orange Cassidy comes out, and then they make sure to do it right in front of his face and exclude him from it. And then throughout the match, there was a point where Orange Cassidy went to give Trent Beretta a high five. Trent left him hanging. There was another point in the match where um, one of the members of Private Party was going to jump off of the turnbuckle, and he kind of just, like, relaxed, tells him, like, no, don't stop with his hands kind of half raised up he turns back around to the best friends like no i got this he's not gonna jump and then of course they jump anyway this was the story of strife with the best friends and and orange cassidy this was crazy you know what's funny this is why i love having you on the show i didn't catch that (laughs) at all really (laughs) i just thought it was a match i just thought it was a match and i thought it was a good match and it was entertainment i didn't catch that I know every point you just brought up, I remember from the match. I just didn't put them together as it being strife with the best friends and Orange Cassidy. But now that you said it, I can see it. But I'm going to be 100% honest. I didn't see it until then. <laughs> well, that's, that's perfectly fine then. So it was a great match. I'm a person where like I pick apart everything. I'm like, oh my God, what does their hair color mean? They changed it. Are they going in a new direction with their character? Like I look for details in everything. So when I see like lots of little points of them like snubbing Orange Cassidy, I'm like, oh, what's going on over here? What do you do? Oh, you left him hanging for the high five, huh? Oh, you hugged right in front of his face and didn't let him in, huh? All right. He didn't even celebrate with them when they won the match. I was like, all right. Cool, yeah. I see how it is. Yeah. <laughs> I like didn't like I like I said, every point you made, I vividly remember. I remember the match. I just didn't put them together as a thing. And it's like now I'm like, how didn't I put it together? <laughs> now because it seems so obvious now. Dude, I'm gonna be so mad if like next dynamite they come out and they're like best friends again, and I'll be like, oh man, I swear this happened. Yes, yes. I was like, I'm like, wow. I was like, 
that's your way is the only way to see it now. But I was like, <laughs> man, man, they put on a really good match. You know, private party's still a little green. The best friends, the best friends aren't as good as other tag teams as covering up for the greenness of private party, which I have no problem with. I mean, again, uh, fresh was the key to AEW from the beginning. So we know some of these people are on the job training. So you yeah. may, you may occasionally get some mess ups. We actually had one doing the uh, uh, problem powerful match we'll talk about earlier later. But it's just like I, you know I'm watching that and I'm like oh yeah you can see it's like Private Party looks amazing when they're going against the Lucha Bros. They're going against yeah uh, the Young Bucks because they are really really good at hiding what Private Party doesn't do right. And someone uh, there's this term called breaking the glass. I have to explain it. On uh on how I met your mother, it's like when someone has an annoying habit or something that annoys everybody else, but you don't notice, and then someone mentions it, and that's all you see. So it's called breaking the glass. It's like someone actually oh. broke the glass, so you could see what was wrong. Someone broke the glass on Private Party, and they was like, their strikes look so horrible, and then that's all I can see when they wrestle right now. There, oh my they got, their strikes are so bad. They don't look like they. I mean, seriously, they don't look like they would hurt anyone. And, and of course, I know it'll get better over the years. But because that person said that, that's all I'm going to see now. That is hilarious because <laughs> I didn't know that, and now that's all I'm going to see. <laughs> yes, all I'm going to see. Like he threw a back elbow, and it looked like it might have grazed his face. And of course, the guy sold it, but it was just like. Man, that was bad. And, you know, and, and I watch New Japan Wrestling, and the striking on there is so good. Oh, gosh, yeah. So so it makes it even look 20 times worse in my brain, which sucked. And I was like, and I was like I'm, I, I need to know this, but I'm kind of mad at you for telling me that because I never noticed it. I'm always, they're always flying around doing spots I'm not looking at. They're strikes. I'm like, yeah. They're, they're amazing, you know. And it's just like, oh, they're really not very good at striking. And it's like, well, thanks, Floyd. Now I'll see it. <laughs> Everyone that listens to this show, I just. You uh, broke the glass. Yeah, I broke the glass. And I'm a, I am not sorry, but I did break the glass. <laughs> well, so, but you do raise a good point, though, which is that people are learning as they go. And, and that's actually something that we will talk about More. later yes. with the Young Bucks match. Um <laughs> But I think it's important to know and also to give empathy for. That's one of the things I talk a lot about with AEW Dark is that this is the show where people are practicing, where they're getting their timing right, where they're checking their chemistry, where they're trying things out and getting better. So having the room for grace and understanding that is important, I think. Yeah, they're not getting six house shows or whatever house shows a week to get better. You know, when they leave for the week they're responsible for their training you know if they want to work indie pay shows and all that stuff they're responsible for that absolutely um so the next match we had on dark was Riho and Britt Baker versus Big Swole and Chris Statlander now for me the star of this match was Chris Statlander I had no idea who she was heading into this and by the end of this match I wanted her in AEW immediately on the women's roster she still is has a lot to learn 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, uh, when she was, you know, on the turnbuckle, clapping the turnbuckle to get the crowd going, she did that a lot, which sort of um, exhausts the energy of the crowd to reciprocate and respond to that. But her moves are great. And the way that she uses her size and strength and her athleticism was just fantastic to see. I really enjoyed watching her in this match. Yes, I thought she was the star of this match, but immediately, as soon as she walked in, personality, everything, Big Swole is my favorite wrestler. I've all I've been a casual fan of hers. I am not a person that will go drop the money to watch the different women's promotions in wrestling. I actually don't even drop the money to most indie promotions, and I do not do what Andy does. He'll just, like, if there's something random on a Saturday, he'll just, you know, watch the wrestling show. That's not me. Me, I watch a countless amount of hours of wrestling, so a week. So I need, you know, it has to be specific. If it's anything outside of my current window, it has to be recommended by someone else or something like that. So I'm not going to drop $15 just to watch a big swell match. Just not going to do it. Like, hey, I know some of you might do. But she's one of those people I have admired from afar. I watched her on the Mae Young Classic. She was at uh, one of the panels and on uh well she was at uh the panels at Starcast three and I found her very entertaining. She's married to another one of my favorite wrestlers, Cedric Alexander, which does not hurt, <laughs> you know, because he's one of my favorite wrestlers in the WWE. So it's just like there's this package, and when they said Big Swole signed with AEW, I was like, I was giddy. I was super happy. I was like, I've really been looking for my favorite AEW's women's wrestler. I I, I can honestly say I haven't really had one. But now, I do. <laughs> Big Swole. I'm like, and I know she's not going to get pushed to the top anytime soon, but she's going to be a person I watch her maturity and watch her grow. And it's like, not like a lot of people, she's been in this game for a minute. So, She's a lot more seasoned than a lot of the people that have that work on the roster right now. She is a blast to yeah, watch. Yeah. Her expressions, her charisma, her like sense of power that she has, like she is a legitimate boss in that ring. It's awesome to watch her. Yes, I'm a big fan of Ariel Monroe. And that's like I was trying to get you. If you, uh, she's she's couple different women's champions around the country, you can find any. Pretty much any all women's promotion in America and find tape on Big Swole. And like I said, she was in the second May Young Classic, I'm thinking. It might have been the first. I think it was the second May Young Classic. Uh, and she was in the tournament. It's like you can go watch her wrestle if you're not familiar with her. But yeah, it, it, it was one of those. Uh, my friend uh, Steve asked this question. He was like, What AEW wrestler? your top five AEW wrestlers you haven't heard of into this year. And the list would have been one for me because the only wrestler I hadn't heard of before this year was Chris Statlander. And she's one of those people, if you watch her the first time, you're like, wow, she's going to be a star. That's yes. the first thing you see. He's like, I, you don't know if it's going to be years, months, days, whatever it's going to be. But she has that energy about it. Rio and Britt, you know, we're not talking about them because everyone's seen Rio and Britt. They've seen them in several different matches. But these two ladies came out and kicked ass, and then Statlander, you find out, only been doing this for three years. That's crazy because she's so good. Yes. <laughs> she's she, she's going to be a star, dude. 
So I, I really hope that AEW swoops in and like picks her up. Um, I, I really also kind of like the idea, and I don't know if this is what they're doing officially or if it just happens to be maybe what's happening, but if they're using enhancement talent as kind of like an audition, that's awesome. And if they are with Chris, I hope that they follow that up with signing her because she's awesome. Yeah, and you know, that's that was always old school wrestling. I remember the Hardys being enhancement talent. I remember watching them on Saturday mornings, Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy getting the shit beat out of them until they signed with the WWE. And you like look at their careers because that was literally the old school way of how you got on. You got the hell beat out of you. And then, you know, for a while and then you come back and you come back after a while with an actual character and then they decide whether they're going to push you or not. So it's really cool that she got this chance, and I guess she's like an alien. That's her gimmick. <laughs> I didn't get that at all, but, you know, they kept saying alien, and I was like, what? Okay, like, she just looks like a badass, so, okay. <laughs> yeah, and it was funny because Swole, uh, Swole put out, uh, and that's what I, I, that's how I refer to her, uh, Big Swole, uh, she put out uh, Swole Galaxy, and I was like, why Swole Galaxy? And then... I saw the whole alien gimmick. I was like, oh, okay. That's cool. That's cool. And I, I like that if they're doing that, that it's not somebody just getting stomped, that they actually get to get moves out yes. and show what they could do. Um, oh, now, the Young Bucks and Strong Hearts, this was an interesting match because for from my end watching it, um, I love Strong Hearts, and I haven't seen much of them, but everything that I have seen from them has been fantastic. I saw uh, this show... That was uh, in Taiwan that Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa, Yuka and Riho were on. And they were both on this show, too. And they were fantastic over there, like in the Japanese rings or, you know, wherever they're touring in Asian countries. You get the feeling that like the chemistry is different there and the pacing is different and the intensity is different than it is in, in American wrestling. And so when they're kind of on home turf. They're amazing. One of the things that I noticed in this match, though, was that we got to see a training session. Like, so Strong Hearts are a great tag team. Mm -hmm. They, um, just like the Young Bucks, they had uh, learned under Shima. And they've got a lot of strong assets with them, with athleticism, with intensity in their chops. They're a fantastic tag team. But things move a little bit differently, I think, in an AEW ring than they do, obviously, in different countries around the world. So it felt like we were watching the Young Bucks sort of train them a little bit, but without it being obvious. And I think that's a credit and testament to how good the Young Bucks are, similar to Christopher Daniels and um, Steve Amell and Kenny Omega and literally anyone. They're so good at what they do that they can kind of show them the ropes without it looking obvious and still have a great match at the same time. Yeah, I, yeah, and I, I, I think they did that in this match. The Young Bucks are, to me, the best at just literally making people look good. Like, no matter if they're 10-year veterans or matter if they've been wrestling for 10 seconds, I feel like they could have a match with me and make me look like a main eventer. Because they're going to do everything. They're going to find the four things I do well, 
And that whole match is going to be built on the four things I do well. And Absolutely. Yeah, and it's like that's what you know. That's what they do. And it's like with Stroghearts, they've both been wrestling a while. Uh, the big thing here was, you know, it's just like I don't know if they've wrestled a lot together. So it's like I don't know, but I think the match was still good. I think it was yeah. still it was still good. Like there was a, 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 a the, it, it could have been a victim of expectations type thing because. Everybody's like, Stronghorns are wrestling the Bucks. This is going to be the greatest match ever. Greatest match in dark <laughs> history. It wasn't. <laughs> it was a good match. But because of the expectations being that it was going to be the greatest match in dark history, everyone's like, well, maybe Stronghearts aren't as good. But you know what? It was a dark match. You know, yes. It wasn't supposed to be everything. The greatest match in history. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to be everything. It was right. supposed to be. Hey, we got to get the Bucks back on the winning streak because how are we going to look if we're trying to build the Bucks as the greatest tag team in the world and all they do is lose? So they right. needed a, they needed a win, and they got a win. And at the same time, they made the Stronghearts look great, and we got to see the Stronghearts again back in action. Yes, which I've been wanting to see because I really was excited for um, Shima and the Stronghearts when they announced the partnership with Oriental Wrestling Entertainment. Because looking into them and looking into that shared history with Shima and Pac and the Young Bucks and Ricochet, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be amazing. And then I saw clips of the Stronghearts and was totally blown away. So I'm really excited to see them get a feel for things. And I think that's really the core of AEW Dark for me as a viewer to watch is people to get their feel of things. Britt Baker is a solidly talented wrestler. B Priestley is the former women's stardom champion. These people are wrestlers. That's why they're here. And I think that the ring size is a lot larger than what they may be accustomed to elsewhere. So I think that there's that to get used to. And there's also just maybe a different flow and different dynamics in working with different wrestlers from around the world instead of working like, you know, for OWE or for stardom, people with the same styles and pacing. Working with different people with different pacing, different styles, different chemistry, and getting used to that I think is a great way to use Dark. Yes, absolutely. I, I've been... I've been on the kick that it, I mean a lot more one-on-one women's matches should happen, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, that's what should happen on Dark as they should use Dark to build up the women's division. And then I got some news about next week, which we'll talk about later. And I was like, it was like they heard me. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Next week's is going to be great. Okay, let's get to Dynamite though, because Dynamite kicked things off with a bang on Wednesday. Now. I'm going to start this off by saying that this card felt, again, like a pay-per-view stacked card on a freaking Wednesday night show. That is amazing to me. We kicked things off with Ray Phoenix versus Nick Jackson, which was the match that I was most excited about seeing this week. Second to Darby and Mox, very closely. But this was the kickoff, and this was incredible. We had high-flying spots. We had strength building, strength testing with each other. Like, this was just balls-to-the-wall action, and I loved this match so much. I'm pretty sure that I came close to losing my voice in the first 15 minutes of the show. <laughs> this match was 
awesome. What did you think about Nick Jackson versus Ray Phoenix kicking off Dynamite this week? Someone said this online, and I can't give credit because I did not copy and paste the tweet. And they said this might be the greatest first match in, like, the history of televised wrestling. Now, I was like, you know, anytime somebody makes a uh, hyperbolic statement like that, I'm like, eh. I was like, I'm sitting there. You know, I've watched a lot of wrestling. I'm like, I don't know if I can think of one better. <laughs> right? <laughs> I can think of one as good. Like, I remember they did the gauntlet where Seth basically ran the gauntlet that had been in a while and stayed in the ring like an hour and a half, and that match kicked ass. But I'm just like, but was it better than this? And it was like, because that's what it's like. That's what you got to think. It's not like when mm-hmm. someone says greatest. It's like, what what match can I clearly say was better than this match? And there isn't one. And I even tweeted Nick and tagged him in it. I was like, you have done nothing to stop people from have, asking you to have singles matches. <laughs> true i guess because you basically got hot hot tag nick jackson the whole time (laughs) yes and it was like because like i literally wanted to ask what what is his solo finisher because you know i've never i had actually never seen him in a singles match me either ever Ever. and he said that it had been like 1620 something days or whatever since his last singles match but i've never seen either of the young bucks in a singles match ever let me tell and you. And this was amazing. Let me tell you, even something weirder. That many days, that many, t- that much time ago, I didn't know who the Young Bucks were. How many years ago was that? I mean, if you think of 1006, that's like five years ago. Oh, yeah, shit. I years. didn't know them either. Didn't even know yeah, who so they that were. Been like, they were really <laughs> on the Indies. Like, yes. maybe in their backyard. <laughs> yes. Like, I had, I had no idea if you, if Matt and Nick Jackson that much time ago walked right past me i wouldn't have said anything they were just man he should have said five years because i was like oh 1000 that must have been like two years ago no it's like four or four (laughs) it it might it's like somewhere in the fours maybe five years ago wow yeah that's a long time i did like this was an incredible match though like because the lucha bros and the young bucks are my two favorite tag teams I don't know out of either of them which are the best in the world. They're both amazing tag teams. And having two people, each from the greatest tag team, like, it that was amazing. Because Phoenix has incredible singles matches. And, you know, he just had one with Kenny Omega in AAA. And I want to say we saw him in, oh, no, that was a trios match at All In. And his uh, and Pentagon was in a singles match. But the point is that he does singles matches. I've never seen Nick Jackson or heard of him being in a singles match. So it was really interesting just to see that. So I was excited on that alone. But they delivered one hell of a match. My first um favorite opening match before this was Young Bucks versus Private Party on the very first episode of Dynamite. This surpassed that. This was amazing and I'm probably actually going to have to watch it again because that was that good. I watched it again on the I mean, I probably on the West Coast feed that night. I watched it immediately and I was just like and it was like I watched it and I was like it really was as good as I remembered. I thought it was just going to be like it's one of those matches that when people ask you, do you, uh, you know, do you like wrestling or you're trying to get them to watch wrestling, it's the match I would put on. That's yeah. a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, you should watch this match. 
because this is what I knew, I know what you thought wrestling was. This <laughs> is what wrestling. This is a lot, is. this is what wrestling is now. You know, you're yep. going to get when people know how to do it well. They're no matter what, they're going to draw that emotion out of you. And it was just like I was on the edge of my seat that whole match, and it, and it was just so fun to watch. And when I watched it the second time, even though who I knew who won. I forgot spots because they were throwing so much at you so quickly. I forgot spots that had happened the first time. And I was just like, yeah. So, yeah, this is the quintess, like the quintessential, I'm like, uh, AEW match for especially for people that are into the new generation of wrestling. Absolutely. Now, they followed this matchup immediately with the women's singles match. Which was interesting because you have Hikaru Shida versus Britt Baker immediately follow up this crazy, electrifying, explosive opener. And you're like, all right. That was not and, fair. Um, well, I will say this, though. They had a hell of a match. I was so impressed with Britt Baker in this match. And I love Hikaru Shida. She is actually, I think, my favorite women's wrestler in AEW right now. She's so good. She's so fun to watch. And Britt Baker, she's really been killing it in the last, I want to say, two or three matches that she's been in. And this match, she's got a bloody nose throughout the most of the match. And you've got commentary talking about how hard it is to breathe, which I was actually kind of grateful for because it kind of explained some of the stalls that I hadn't quite seen from her in a long time. So watching her persevere, watching her tell the story, watching her still put on an epic sling blade. Man, I was so happy. I was so happy to see Britt kill that sling blade. It was so good. And then, you know, the backbreakers and everything else, still try to get the mandible claw in, but then to not win. That was such a great storytelling match for Britt Baker. And I think it, again, by accident. And I got to say, dude, I want to see Britt Baker as a heel. She comes out and she's got this glare on her face and she's talking to the crowd and she's kind of got this stone cold vibe going just in the talking to the crowd thing with the grimace and the growl. But like that doesn't scream baby face to me. That screams somebody with with a chip on her shoulder that's arrogant. And like I, I hope that we see something like that come out of her trajectory in the show. They may not. They may just continue to push her as the baby face who's going after the title. But like. She's knocked down away from the title now. She is moved down in rankings. So I hope that they do something interesting with that because I really loved this match. The thing with Britt is she's not ready to lead the division yet. She's really, really talented, but she's not ready to lead the division yet. So her losing was smart because your division is going to be rated based on your best wrestler. You know what I mean? And uh, so... Having Rio and Kushida and going that way as Britt matures and gets better is great. I can say this, and I might be the only one like this, or somebody might agree. I had a hard time with how slow this match started getting into it after what I just got watched. I even messaged Tiffany while watching the show is that they should have gave them a commercial break. Yeah. Then did their entrance. Then gave them another commercial break to let our hearts slow down a little bit. Then started the match. Or one of the segments in the little 
one of the little promo videos that we watch later on in the show probably should have went in there. I'm just talking about I feel like the show is very fast-paced. I think it's the most well-paced paced in show. But as far as getting people prepared for a match to slow down to that level, I think they should have gave us a break. I think that's a fair point. Um, I will say that they became impressive, especially once you saw the color, you had the steel chair element. I think that they ended up picking it up, which kudos to them, man. Like, how the hell do you follow Nick Jackson and Ray Phoenix without being Matt Jackson (laughs) or Kenny Omega but or Moxley? But, you know, having this follow it and then pick up, I think solidified Britt as a solid women's wrestler combined with the last few matches that she's had. And I think that it elevated Hikaru Shida even more to where maybe she can actually go after the women's title. I'm not sure where she's at in standings, but a pairing between her she, and Riho would be fantastic. Yes. And like I said, that would definitely be, I, I'm with you, that would be a fantastic. It's just pacing of the show. And I like, I don't know where I would have put this match uh, ahead of this because the rest of the show was a great, but it was just like, oh, you got to follow that. You know? Well, uh, <laughs> I feel like, oh, you got to follow that. And I remember even on the Bucks and Private Party, they had their match. And I think they went straight to another tag team match right after. Yeah, exactly. And, and exactly. it was just like, I'm not ready for this yet. Yep. I need five <laughs> minutes. Do it you know what? My heart rate. Yes. Do you know what we just saw? Screaming. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. And then the, the other two come in and they wrestle a perfectly decent tag team match, but I didn't pay attention until like five minutes into the match because yeah. I wasn't ready for it yet. And that's the only thing I'm saying. It's just like Matt and Nick tore it up. I mean, uh, I mean uh, Nick and uh, Nick and Phoenix tore it up. I've they clicked. Did. Yeah, I said Phoenix is probably one of my best wrestlers in the world. Like, he's right there to me. I'm like, if you want to throw Will Ospreay in the conversation, Kenny Omega, you want to throw whoever you want, I'm like, but are they better than Ray Phoenix? You might even, you know, it's like, again, I'm like, I'm thinking that he's right there with him. He does something every match that I'd never seen before. And this match was, again, it was just like, I could watch this match twice in a row but not get bored. Three times would press it, but twice in a row and not get bored. So good. But yes, I was like, shout out to Sheeta. Glad she won. I thought that was the right decision. I was like, Britt, I want hers to be more of a slow ascension to the title. Because I think that with that slow ascension, we'll get a really rich story and we'll be fully with her when she gets that. Um, So after this match, we get this commercial. And I think everybody is wondering if this is just a commercial. Or if we're still in the show, because the AEW logo is still on, but we got this dude in a train station, and people are picking on him. Do you do you remember him? No! Who he, is it? I remember the librarian videos? Yeah. He did a really elaborate librarian video. His name's Louie. Oh! You know, like, it, it was like he was in a library, and it was dark, and he, he did a really elaborate librarian video. There we go. All right. And, so yeah, and, yeah, and he lost, and he was part of Full Go Challenge. He lost like a hundred pounds. Good for him. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's in this train station. People are picking on him, and he sits down, and then 
a video comes on in the screen and it's like this guy standing in a field of flowers with open sky and and clouds that look like birds and he's talking to him like a motivational speaker um you know like come come join us and feel empowered you won't be alone you'll be successful this is for the people who are downtrodden in life if you're looking for a purpose for a reason for motivation and success come see what we have to offer and you've got people doing yoga people sitting in their work environments coffee shops um squatting and and very muscular people squatting and and on a rooftop and it ends up being a recruitment video for the dark order what is that about like this was crazy this was so weird and it was so jarring and disconcerting because again we had just come off of the high of phoenix and jackson we just saw uh sheeta and Britt baker we're still not even sure if this is a commercial or if it's aew but now we've obviously figured out it's aew and this is just like leaving us all with a feeling of confusion but kind of excitement (laughs) what were your thoughts about this i was watching on kind of like you know watching and i literally rewinded to watch it again and i was like they make some solid points you know it is like i get what they were saying you know the chaos of life you know evil uh uno as he is known and he's like you know you might listen to what i have to bring and it was just it made a lot of sense my husband immediately joined the dark order after that video yes yeah, and you know what? You know what? He makes good decisions. You know, I am a, uh, I am a, I am a follower of Andy Nimity, and he said, "Hey, you know, he he made he made a good sales pitch," and I'm just like, you know, I'll think about it, see how that works. But yeah, the door he... the dark order. I'm like, you know, I was one of the people, and I took some shit for this. When the dark order came out, I was like, "This is so cool." I was one of a few people who said it because I was like, it's different. And it's like, the thing is, you're going to have a lot of the same things in wrestling. And I understand there's people that just want that guy to wrestle that guy. But you need some different in wrestling. And I never knew where it was going. I did not see this coming. But I knew it was good. I was like, just let it breathe. And I like it. It's definitely interesting. I my husband has basically become a join Dark Order recruitment person, and we are a house divided because I refuse to join the Dark Order, but he is constantly talking about the Dark Order, and I'm like, no. <laughs> so it's working. Yes. There are clearly people excited about it. I I loved this weird commercial i loved the symbolism i loved the comparisons to other like cults i loved the comparisons to motivational speakers this was really cool i'm excited to see what they're gonna do with it it's awesome yeah uh and most importantly is it trended for like five hours join the dark order trended for like five hours that is amazing because yeah, like, Dark Order would not have trended for five hours in any other setting, but yes. now they are. Yeah, I was like, I'm, you know, I, I stay up all night, so I'm like, it stayed in there. It went down to like nine or ten, and it was closer to the bottom, but it stayed there for four hours. So it's like, 
now people are really interested in the Dark Order. Yes, they, it's, I, it's yes. like like people like that hand waved it before. Like, okay, let's see where they're going, and that's all I ever asked. It's like, let's see where they're going before we decide we hate this. Oh, this was me, dude. I could not stand them. I was like, <laughs> yeah, they're they're. Gimps are literally called creepers. Yes. They're weird. Yes. <laughs> don't like it. They're just interrupt my favorite people, and I don't know who they are, and this is just weird, and now I'm like, oh, my God, who are you? Yes, I want to what know. I'm going to, hey, I might not buy the sales pitch, but I'm going to listen. Yeah. I'll go to your timeshare presentation. Yeah. <laughs> see, what you, see what you got to say, you know? Yep. Never hurts to listen. Never hurts to listen. All right, so next up, we have the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royale. We have Billy Gunn as a surprise entrance in this match, which was super cool. You've got Chucky e. T, Pentagon Jr., Christopher Daniels, Jimmy Havoc going nuts with a staple gun, Marco Stunt trying to run out and save the day uh, and climb on Billy Gunn's back, but that's not happening. Sean Spears is out there. He runs in and he knocks out Joey Janela, sort of, resulting in his elimination, but also feeding into their feud. Uh, Jungle Boy comes out, and you think that we're going to get a standoff finish between Jungle Boy and Hangman Page, and the crowd is going nuts because this is freaking awesome. Like, we love Jungle Boy. We love Hangman Page. This is really cool. But MJF, that prick-ass jerk, totally ruins the end of the match by pulling Jungle Boy out. Because he also was in the match, he never got eliminated, but he sneakily exited the ring anyway so that he could throw the match at the end. And now, instead of a clear defined winner, we have MJF and Hangman Page, who will be battling it out next week to decide who really won the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royale and who will get a legitimately priced $42,000 diamond ring from AEW. Uh, yeah, so we're looking at the Chris Jericho promo was next. Yep. All right, so Jericho comes out, basically says he's going to throw a celebration, uh, which I thought was kind of crazy because I was like, this is not something you know, AEW does. Uh, SCU comes out after he announces the celebration. He did this funny gimmick where he had uh, uh, Jack Hagar, as he calls him, he had him uh, say sorry because he did, did not want to <laughs> say sorry. It was a it was a gimmick from uh, Happy Days that Fonzie did. Fonzie wouldn't say sorry, so he'd make somebody else do it. Uh, they come out. Uh, they do a little bit of duck season, rabbit season for all the old people that watched Looney Tunes back in the day where Scorpio Scott basically baited him, said he didn't want a match, and if he did have a match, he'd need a few weeks. Jericho then challenges him to a match next week for the title on Dynamite. Uh, so that ended up being uh, that. It was very funny. It was a very funny segment. It was kind of cheesy in its own way, but very, you know, very funny in the cheese. Uh, then is this when we get the Kenny segment? This is... Is it? I think it is when we get the Kenny segment. Join the dark order. Yes. Uh, so uh, you get the Kenny segment. He's talking about how next week is going to be his redemption. While he was also lifting very little weights. And <laughs> then at the end, he did an unbalanced lift. And Michael Nakazawa was looking at him funny. So I don't know where this is going to go. But he has some kind of guaranteed way he's going to beat Pac, who was the source of his depression. 
Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, right. So after that, we've got Luchasaurus and Peter Avalon in a squash match. Nothing really big here. You know, <laughs> Luchasaurus just totally stomped on Peter Avalon. Match is done. Then we get Private Party and Santana and Ortiz. Now, this is actually a really great match between the two because we get to see Private Party shine. Once again, you've got high athletics. You've got high impact. Santana and Ortiz are really ruthless in the ring and awesome to watch. But there's a weird, awkward segment near the end where there was supposed to be a near fall. The referee counts and then just inexplicably stops. And I was really confused as to what was happening here because um, then you had somebody pull the referee out of the ring and I thought that that would have resulted in a disqualification, but apparently it was because the person getting pinned wasn't the legal man. Did you understand what happened there? No, they, they, they fucked up. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah, <laughs> Santana, was supposed to, Santana was supposed to pull the referee out of the ring. He never did. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, like, like literally, if you look, you look at how the referee counted to three, he was doing it with his leg out, prepared to be pulled out of the ring. But then and, he stopped. Yeah, yeah, and he was like, yeah, you, you, you touched my foot. I mean, Excalibur did a great job, but Santana was selling that he had just got flopped on, didn't get up. They then went into the next transition. I don't know if they went into the next transition too quick and didn't give him time to get up. Or he didn't get up fast enough. He was selling it too much. One of those two things happened. There's a lot of moving parts. But it was complete, you know, it was just like, it was something that happens in wrestling. And it was just like, either Santana missed his cue or the cue came too quick. Well, either way, thankfully, the confusion dissipated because the action of the match picked up immediately afterwards. And then you get Private Party with a surprise win, which was so exciting. What annoyed me is if Private Party was supposed to win, why didn't you just count the three? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe it's, it was supposed to have all the spots afterwards. I don't know. No, it's just like just <laughs> the person you... The three was there for the person who was supposed to win. I know shit happens, and guess what? You could have saved the rest of it for later. But. <laughs> you know, hey. Well, so yeah, I, I, I guess they had to have the, you know, Nick causing them to lose. I don't know, because I don't feel like Nick interfered all that. No, he just took a sock of tennis balls from him, which are apparently dastardly and deadly. I'm yeah. sorry. I don't mean to break cave, but yeah, like, yes. I mean, okay, he took the sock. Well, so Inner Circle comes out. They're attacking Private Party. Dustin Rhodes makes the save. Nick Jackson had come out. You've got a celebration. It's awesome. But then we get to the greatest match with the greatest video that I can't stop watching because I love it so much. You have Darby <laughs> Allen with a video package, and it's just beautiful classical music. And the video is black and white, and it shows him walking down an alley, similar to Moxley's breakout video. And he's carrying a body bag, and the only thing that has color in this video are the letters M-O-X on the body bag. It shows him at a concert, he zips himself up in the body bag, and then you just see this gorgeous shot of the orange letters and everything else in black and white as he's crowd surfing in this body bag. And then the classical music cuts out to Darby's entrance music, which is amazing. Referees are carrying him out, still in the body bag. They unzip it, open it up. He rides down the skateboard 
rides down the ramp on a skateboard with the body bag trailing in the wind behind him. And then we just get this amazing match that was criminally short for Darby Allen versus John Moxley, where it looks like John Moxley's fingers got broken and it looks like Darby Allen's neck just got busted. But this whole match was incredible, and I loved and reveled in every single second of it. It was so good. What were your thoughts on this match, Floyd? I'm going to say you said all of my thoughts. I'm not, I'm not even trying to rush <laughs> it through, but I was really just about to repeat everything you just said. Uh, from an artistic point of view, I mean, you've always heard about Darby seeing wrestling as art, and I feel like this was the match that was like, okay, because that whole entrance, everything told the story from beginning to end. Moxley was just better that night. Oh, it was so good. Absolutely so good. I hope that they will meet again because I feel like 12 minutes, it, it, I just wanted more. I needed more. Not in a bad way. It wasn't short in a bad way. It was short in the best way possible, which is that I need to see it again. And I need to see it again when Darby Allen has risen as the star that he is already beginning to be in AEW. And takes Moxley and takes that spot. I need that. Um, But, you know, we'll have that for the future. And as for right now, the future looks pretty damn bright. Because the next show is at AEW Dynamite in Chicago. And we have a hell of a card already planned for this. We've got Hangman Page versus MJF battling it out for the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal finisher. One of them will get a $42,000 diamond ring from AEW. We will also have Cody Rhodes making his first appearance back maybe in the ring. I don't know. Is he wrestling or is he going to make an appearance? It'll be his first time since he was attacked. He announced on Instagram and then Tiffany sent out he is actually going to be wrestling. Oh, my gosh. So that's going to be really, really awesome. And... By the way, it'll be fantastic seeing his entrance with him instead mm. of that dastardly jerk who stole his entrance. Yes. Yes. So that'll be fun. And then we will also have Kenny Omega up against Pac. I keep wanting to say Pac. Um, and he seems fairly confident that he's going to win in this. We shall see. But for the biggest match, we will have Chris Jericho versus Scorpio Sky for the AEW world championship match will we see a thanksgiving celebration of thank yous for chris jericho or will we see scorpio sky take flight with the aew title i am excited to find out next week all right well that leads us to the last thing those bastards to nxt won the ratings this week yeah but it took them bringing out becky lynch and their whole roster to do yeah, it so yes. okay yeah no, it, it was only 916 to 893 I'm pretty sure it's going to go back to normal next week. But it was just like, I am one of those people that if I'm going to brag about something, when it goes the other way, I'm going to give credit where credit to do. Absolutely. And they had their go-home show for Survivor Series and for NXT TakeOver. Shout out to NXT for killing it in the ratings this week. Because honestly, I had no interest in, in going back to watch it. Because you know each week, AEW Dynamite fills my awesome wrestling of the week. But when I see Becky Lynch facing off with Rhea Ripley, that makes me want to tune in. So kudos to you guys for having a hell of a show. Um, It was great to hear that Ricochet was back. And, you know, I'm excited for you guys, man. You guys won the ratings war this week. Good job. So when I, it was funny. I went back and watched it. It was great. All that good stuff. But the thing was, it literally like none of the matches kind of ended. 
And I don't think you've caught, caught the energy that AEW does. And I'm not just saying that because I do an AEW show. I've said this before. I love NXT. I've been to probably as many takeovers as anyone. It's This is not a, oh, I'm an AEW guy. It's AEW's a pass-paced show. When you watch two hours, it feels like 20 minutes. And you yes. just want more. I do not get that feeling with any other wrestling show that I watch. No, me either. Me either. And I love it. Yes, and I just wanted that to be clear. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I, I just wanted that to be clear. It's not just me hating or anything like that. It's I enjoy their show more. So, whatever. Shout out to NXT, Hope Survivor Series, all of them take over kills tomorrow. I'll be watching all of it. But this is yep. not what this show is for. Um, yeah, yeah, but that seems to be it. That's all we had to cover this week, right? That's yep. all we had to cover. We went, we, gotta... Monday, we went Monday through Friday. Uh, I am at work, so I got to get back to work. <laughs> Amy's got children to look after. But uh, this is the most... Uh, this is the most my ending has ever meant because she's at home, I'm at work. So whether you're at home, work, or school, always do your best to join the dark order.